when you see art or design or whatever that you like so much and you can't articulate it, like then you know you're hooked. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a marketer and an illustrator and a writer, and I live in San Francisco. And on today's show, you're going to hear from James Edmondson, a type designer and lettering and logo artist here in San Francisco. He's led a phenomenal career, and he's been out of school for not even that long of a time, but he's teaching. He works with brands to create logos, and today you're going to hear him talk all about his path to going independent, going all in on typography, and James has a really incredible story, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. He's a wonderful designer, and let's get started with the conversation with James. James, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me a little bit about what you're working on these days. What what uh, projects have you staying up late this week? Um, first of all, I don't stay up late. And okay. I, I definitely don't condone the glorification of putting in insane hours. You know, I oh, think this awesome. is kind of a trend that's uh, gone away recently. You know, James Victory, the the graphic designer and motivational speaker started doing his YouTube series about answering questions. And he had a great one talking about long hours. And he's like, it's stupid. It's unprofessional. And I was like, hell yeah, because that was a sort of an idea that I held in art school too. Of course, I probably pulled an all-nighter or two sure. in art school. But I didn't want to be one of the students that was bragging about it, you know, or or kind of wearing that with pride because it just – kind of meant you were bad at planning basically. <laughs> so yeah, my hours are super normal and I, I really want to prioritize having a, a life kind of work balance. Do you um, wake up like at a, a specific hour every day and work nine to five or yeah, 10 to uh, seven? Yeah, pretty or? much. Pretty nine to five. My girlfriend is a server, so her hours are a little bit different and I can kind of rework my schedule so that when she's working, I'm working more or less. Nice. What are you working on during the during the daytime <laughs> yeah. hours? Back back to the question <laughs> at hand. I just kind of finished up a, a custom typeface and I'm working on some more original typefaces for the Ono label and just working on a new website for Ono. That's kind of a, a big one that's going on right now. And it's, it's a pain in the ass, man. It's been going on way too long. Are you designing and developing it? Or are you just, are you working with a, a developer? Or? I, I'm designing it and yeah. I'm working with a, a very talented uh, development team called Standard Library. They're super good. And you talked about working on this custom font. So let's just talk about your your work. So you design fonts and type. And you also do other lettering and graphic design projects as well? Yeah, pretty much just lettering. Uh, not so much graphic design other than the graphic design work I have to do for the company. So, yeah, basically it's all black and white is kind of a good way to explain it because I'm not doing any of the other graphic design things. You know, I'm not laying out systems or whatever. I'm just kind of making typefaces, doing logos. I'm not even really doing like editorial lettering work. That's not really my thing so much. I really love logos and uh, custom typefaces. And those are such 
hugely important assets to companies and brands that I really like to contribute in that way because like I'm using my a good part of my skill set and none of the stuff that I'm not comfortable with, you know. Yeah, it's amazing that you were able to focus in so singularly on this one aspect of design and creation. I mean, how hard was it to kind of nail a career just in that one area where you really had the strongest superpower? I think for me, part of going to school was looking around and seeing all the other people in the room that are like geniuses at specific things and knowing that it's a lot to ask of one person to do all the things that graphic designers are typically expected to do now. You know, it's it's like a growing list constantly. It's insane to me how much we expect of a graphic designer so I just kind of wanted to go the opposite route and get good at one thing. You know, jury's out on whether or not that was a good <laughs> idea. Like I have friends that are more generalist graphic designers that are working at like these amazing companies in the Bay Area. And that's awesome, too. And and as we're getting older, you know, people are getting into more business things, more strategy. And that's a whole other skill set that I don't have. But it's OK. Like, yeah, I, I like just kind of focusing. I had a teacher in school that took me aside and uh, John Sueda, this amazing designer. I love this guy so much. He was like, yeah, just maybe focus on type for like five years and then reevaluate. Right. Right. And we're, we're coming up on five years, like <laughs> or maybe it passed or already or whatever. But I love that he, you know, like took the time to offer some advice to me. I wasn't even a student of his. He was just a nice guy and he recognized that I was interested in it and um, gave me the advice that I think a lot of teachers would steer students away from, which is to specialize and, and not be a generalist. And uh, sometimes you just hear advice and it just feels good. And you're like, all right, like that makes sense to me. That feels right in my heart. And uh, I'll go forward with that. Yeah. And can you explain to listeners the difference between let's say a logo design, a lettering project, and a font or type design project? Sure, yeah. Logos and uh, lettering, like lettering a quote or something like that. Yeah, those are the lettering. That's the lettering side. The type design side is, you know, different from lettering. Like you're changing the context of all the letters. It's an interchangeable sort of system. Right, and you're actually creating a system that applies to an entire alphabet and then that alphabet and that font design kit is being sold and people are using it in any manner of design type layout right yeah the language changes and the the placement and the size and all those things can be altered lettering is is just a very fixed thing it's basically like illustration is kind of the easiest way i think to explain it but yeah when you're when you're working in something like a hand-lettered poster or a quote or any phrase that is, you know, multiple words or like a sentence working together, you have to think about composition and color and hierarchy and all these different elements working together. And that's like too much for me. I can't really handle that. There's a lot of people that do that extremely well, but I really like logos because it's just very, very focused on what the letters are doing. It's a single word usually, and uh, it's black and white, which I can get down with. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not good at 
working with color. Yeah, I love your acceptance on the things that you're good at, you're not good at. And I love that you double down just on type. And I read that when you were in high school, your dad went out to the supply store and came back with some calligraphy pens. And that that was kind of the first moment that you started to mess around with with lettering and in a more serious way. What was going on for you at that point? And what kind of triggered inside where you were like, oh, this is awesome? Yeah, my dad was like, a public high school English teacher. He wouldn't spoil us with gifts or whatever, but um, we would get whatever school supplies we wanted kind <laughs> yeah. of a thing. I always loved going to Staples or Office Max or whatever. Like that just seemed so fun as a kid. You get like good dividers for your binder, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. So yeah, he got these calligraphy pens one day and it came with an instruction book. I think that was the big thing because I could look at the instructions and then execute something that looked like a letter, you know, that it, it was like a very straightforward kind of a thing. I was never super good at drawing as a kid. I was kind of like middle of the class on all art stuff. But that just kind of felt right to me. I was interested in it as a little teenager, but then kind of fell out of focus with it because, you know, my friends that I had at that time, no one really wanted to <laughs> hang out and work on their calligraphy. Right, right. I, I heard you say that basically you loved it so much. You were like, why doesn't everyone love this? Totally. And that's how I feel about so much stuff now. Anytime I like something, like, of course, I want to tell everyone in the world about it. Because I think things should just be universally adopted like that, you know, but that's not how it works. And yeah. it's good that it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so when you were a kid, you, you said you weren't super into drawing, but did you think about having a career in creativity or in design? Like, what were you kind of drawn to? No, as a kid, no, totally not. Because my older brothers weren't. And that's pretty much like the only thing that uh, has any impact. <laughs> right. At, and you're the youngest of, of six kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and no one was, was going into a creative field. So you didn't necessarily see it in your house and maybe think it was an option? Yeah. No, art school didn't even register for me. It's not that they weren't creative. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think they're um, a pretty creative and like a really funny bunch of people. But it's just... It's weird growing up in a smallish town, the things that are within your realm of capability is very narrow. And where uh, did you grow up? Arroyo Grande, California. It's <laughs> okay. like right by San Luis Obispo, which is a little bit north of Santa Barbara, um, the central coast of California, which is a great area to be a kid. But the minute, you know, you turn 15, 16, it's not so interesting anymore. So I went to the university there for a couple of years and then I was like, this is not working for me. And then I came up to San Francisco. Yeah. What, what happened during that change? So you went to school at San Luis Obispo. Was it just because it was kind of close and that was the thing that you did? And then what happened in school where you were like, I got to get out of here. I want to go to art school. I'm going to San Francisco. I didn't make any friends there, like really like no friends. And I'm a relatively social person. And I remember looking around like, what, what am I doing wrong? You know, like I, this isn't working out for me. I'm, I'm not, um, it's not that I didn't get along with people. It's just that like that strong connection that sort of bond isn't there. And then of course the first two years of college, everyone is making like, their best friend <laughs> right. at school. Right. And it was just kind of passing you by. Yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't really uh, jive with people there that well. 
so then I ended up taking like an internship job with my brother, Paul, who was like starting a business up here and working as a designer for him. I was basically doing PowerPoints. That was pretty much it. <laughs> but it allowed me to kind of work on my design shops. And then I started dating this girl whose sister was an interior design student at California College of the Arts. And she was like, oh, if you're interested in design, then you should go to CCA because they have a, a good graphic design program, too. And I was like, whatever, like I'm I am already employed, you know, I don't I don't need <laughs> yeah, to go yeah. back to school. <laughs> right. Um, thinking that like I knew everything or or just like it, enough to get by. And I probably would have been OK. You know, I knew enough to do PowerPoint presentations, but at some point it just kind of seemed like a cool idea. And my brother Cameron was very encouraging to me about going to school and studying something that I already had this interest in because just that is a gift, you know, like so many people go to school for some stupid bullshit that they don't care about at all. And I had an opportunity, work was going to help pay for it. It was a part-time job basically. And so I had the time and the resources to get into it. And then it was just like, oh my God, this is the best place ever. I'm <laughs> wow. so happy here. Yeah. Made friends, loved the work, had great experiences with the teachers. Absolutely. Yeah. All of the above. All the teachers were great designers, but like great people and really great teachers, you know, like could explain things in a way that totally made sense. They were to me at that time, like really fancy design looking people, you know, <laughs> meaning that they, they dressed in nice black clothes. Um, yeah. I remember coming out of there just with like a huge smile on my face, like taking the bus home, taking the 19 through the tenderloin, just like smiling, just thinking like, oh man, like what we did in class today is exactly what I want to be learning right now. Yeah, you really found your groove. And then you enjoyed school so much that you applied for this program in the Netherlands. You graduated from CCA in 2013. Mm -hmm. And then what made you say, hey, I want to go to I want to go to Europe. Let me try to get into this program. And what was that experience like? Dude, this is the best research podcast I've been on in my <laughs> life, for sure. This is amazing. Um, this is doing crazy things for my ego right now. I love it, man. Um, yeah, so I, I learned about this school called the Royal Academy of Art in the Netherlands, which is just, uh, the Hague Netherlands is like a hotbed for type design for some reason. I think it's because it rains there all the time. and, and like it's <laughs> People just, just stay in and yeah. want to make pretty things because exactly. the outside's like falling apart. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weather-wise, yeah. Yeah, my uh, some of my favorite type designers ever, Eric Van Blocklin, Peter Bielok, are teachers at this particular school. And every year they put out a website that showcases the work that was created. And when those websites come out, it's just like, holy shit, everything is amazing. It's like I would have an emotional reaction to it, you know, because it was exactly the type of type that I appreciate. I would get this feeling of like, it's so good. And I can't even articulate why it's so good. You know, like I don't have the knowledge of the vo vocabulary to express what I like about it, which is an interesting feeling. You know, it's, it's it resonated kind of, with you like so deeply that it was kind of beyond words that you could grasp out. It just completely yeah. connected with you. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't really articulate it at the time. And now I think I'm, I'm better at it, but when you see art or design or whatever that you like so much and you can't articulate it, like 
then you know you're hooked, you know, <laughs> and you like got to figure it out. Right. What's going on there. And this master's program was only focused around type and lettering and font design. Yeah, not even lettering. It's just type. Just type. Yeah. Okay. So what what happened once you graduated and you had one of these websites that you had previously admired? Like what kind of happened in terms of your career? Did you come back to San Francisco? Yeah, that uh, came right back to SF. I missed my family and friends over here a ton. I liked living in the Netherlands, especially in the spring and summer because <laughs> like you see the sun again. Yeah, yeah. And the whole vibe of the city changes in the summer, like there's festivals every weekend and stuff. Cool. It's really fun, but I was incredibly homesick throughout pretty much the entire thing. So that was tough, and I was very relieved on that flight home. I remember the lady at the counter for the for the flight home, she was like, oh, man, you're tall. I'm giving you the emergency exit row. <laughs> and I was, I was so excited to go home, and I had the emergency exit row, and then I had my suitcase, and she's like, oh, your suitcase is too heavy, like, is there anything you can take out? Because I had all these books from school, you know, <laughs> and I went through it all like there in line. And I was like, I can't really like get rid of anything. I already tried and right. I'm just going to have to pay the fee. And she's like, don't even worry about it. So I was I was like, I got around this fee. I was in the emergency exit row. I was on a flight direct back to SF. And the universe was like, oh let's, let's welcome you back in. Like, yeah, make it real comfortable. Exactly. And come on. Come on. Totally. Back home. And I was I was just thrilled to come home. And I was stoked that I finished. But yeah, the homesickness thing was tough. For yeah. Sure. And you connected with Eric Marinovich, who we've had on the show and is an awesome hand lettering artist and designer. And you interned with him. And I know now you do collaborations with him. How did you guys connect originally? And what's your work like together? Yeah, Eric, the best dude of all time. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> Nicest, like most genuine guy. Yeah. Talented as a motherfucker. Like no one can touch this guy. And he's always pushing it. Like he will do styles that you know he gets famous for a specific thing and then everyone asks him to do that and then he's like no i'm doing this now and yeah. it's also awesome and then he'll just repeat that i think until he uh until he retires <laughs> but i was a, a huge fan of his stuff in particular when he started friends of type yep so back in the blog days i just was always keeping an eye on friends of type because it was just one of those first outlets for that sort of work at that time and I noticed that all my favorite posts were done by Eric. And so I was like, okay, this guy, he's he's the dude, you know? And he was in San Francisco. And then it was like Instagram or something. And he liked one of my things. So I was like, oh, man, I'll just say what's up to him. And we met for a beer at the Lone Palm. Nice. And one of my favorite bars. Yeah. He was he was the most chill guy ever. So I, I wanted to intern for him, but... I don't think he's really set up to handle interns. So I did some work to help out for him. But more than anything, I was just going into um, Title Case and hanging out in there. And like I got to meet Jessica and she was super cool to me. Jessica Hish, mm -hmm, his partner mm -hmm. at Title Case, right? Yeah, I feel like she's famous enough that w we can say first name only. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Jessica was super nice and it was just like such a cool feeling to be in there surrounded by all these type books and cool posters and stuff. When you're a student, it's just like, Oh man, I'm like, I'm in it, you know? 
And working with Eric now, it's awesome because <laughs> I, I kind of have a more specialized thing. Like I do the type design thing and, and he's doing this amazing lettering stuff. So any chance that we have to kind of put the two together, it's pretty fun. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a little something you can do to help the podcast reach even more listeners. It's super simple and should only take maybe a few minutes of your time. And that's by leaving a review on iTunes. The more reviews on iTunes, maybe you want to leave a five-star review. Maybe you want to say a little something nice in the comments. The more reviews that are up on iTunes, the more exposure people will have to the show. iTunes will bring it up in their rankings and people will discover it and the world will be a better place, right? So please check it out. Go to iTunes and leave a review. Thanks so much, guys. And let's get back to the show. When did you work? I know you worked at a startup for a short time. When when did that happen in this kind of order of events? Yeah. So that was uh, 2007 to 2012, okay. I think. Okay. So a, a decent amount of time that I was doing shitty web design, <laughs> UI stuff. and So while you were in school? While I was in, in school, okay. yeah, exactly. Okay. But I was the only designer at my brother's company there. And that was tough. You know, I, I think I needed a little bit more guidance. I wasn't passionate about the web, yeah. um, I think is the real thing. I remember thinking, like, what do I want to have as my body of work when I'm on my deathbed? For me, websites was not what got me out of bed in the morning. Like, not to say that if whatever you know if that's for somebody thing, else that's, that's fantastic yeah exactly for somebody else that's their that's their thing yeah yeah um so it, did any part of you think about being in-house working in in design uh at any time or did you always have in mind look i'm always going to be independent and i'm always going to kind of do my own thing it wasn't uh until lost type came out i submitted a typeface to lost type that i made in school wisdom stripped which uh is now used a lot it's kind of like infamous because of its shitty quality and and popularity (laughs) but as soon as lost type came out riley cran who's the guy that runs that was super nice about hosting my work there and then i started making some amount of money from it you know that was like holy shit like i don't have to do this web design thing that i'm not as passionate about i can do letters full-time And it's just like, oh, my God, what an amazing feeling to quit that job was so cool. And I hate that I kind of left my brother hanging, you know. Right, right. But But, that was your way to say to yourself and to the world, like, I'm going to do this on my own terms. Yeah, yeah. And I can. Yeah, it it didn't feel that dramatic at the time. It it was just kind of like, oh, my God, I, I don't have to do any more comps in Photoshop. I don't have to do any more PowerPoint presentations i don't have to go any to any more meetings you know it was this huge weight off my shoulders i think to any listeners that are thinking about quitting a job just quit the job (laughs) (laughs) just just to know what that feels like you know it's like the the last day of sixth grade or something right just say goodbye to all this crap that you don't want to do anymore now, after you get that elation, there's there's like a there's the like, reality right, that like comes tons of fear and reality. I mean, how quickly did you start your company? Is called Ono oh Type. How quickly did you kind of formalize a company and and get that off the ground? Yeah, I wanted to go to KBK first, the Type Media program, and like get all my skills up to a, a somewhat professional level. 
and that was sort of the plan is to like come back from school and then get it going. But I was pretty much just waiting on the name. Like I had this doc of all the the names that I was thinking for a type foundry. And yeah, this sounds kind of silly, but that was like my hangup. I needed a name first. <laughs> and did you have any kind of desperate, fearful, oh my God, is this going to work out moments in the kind of first first months or, or year of the project? Never. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't really think I'm that kind of person. I think about it a lot as uh, pointing my canoe downstream, you know? Tell me about that. uh, (laughs) So it comes from various self-help books or whatever, but it's just like going with the flow and and kind of taking opportunities as they come. It's it's been a very natural sort of progression. Like there's a lot of privilege there that comes along has probably got a big part to to do with it i've met a lot of just like wonderful people like eric that have helped me out a ton and uh, steered me in a good direction yeah i've just been super lucky with a lot of stuff and uh i've tried to work on things that were fun for me to work on you talked about how much you love the experience of being a student at cca and now you're back and you're teaching there it's not that far away from when you were in the classroom, which I think is wonderful that a, you know, you can connect with students in a really unique and authentic way and B it's just wonderful that your career is in a place where you can do that. But tell me a little bit about the value you get from, from teaching and that experience for you and just giving talks and communicating with people in these ways. And also maybe share some of the, some of the advice you like to give students. Oh yeah, for sure. I love the enthusiasm that um, students have. So uh, teaching at CCA and um, also through Type at Cooper West at the Letterform Archive here in San Francisco, like those students are in it. Like they're all lettering people or type people or um, whatever sort of graphic designer, but they're super pumped on making fonts. Like everyone is there because they really want to be there. At CCA, it's an elective, so it's kind of like a different sort of thing. But yeah, the the enthusiasm that comes from students, I think, uh, really propels me. I also get the same sort of feeling when I go to the conferences and, and just talk to other people that are stoked on it. You know, like you got to keep interest in whatever you're doing, no matter what it is. Yeah. Um, Do you have to step back from your work and really kind of think very high level or kind of think about what you're doing process wise in order to translate it into teaching or talks, or is it all just kind of fluid? No, it's super straightforward. I I think. And the stuff that we talk about in class is just really what it comes down to is where to place positive space, where to place negative space. You know, that's it. Like it's totally not conceptual. It's totally like blue collar. And um, it's it's kind of like a trade. And I love that. And I love that that's happening in the context of an art school. Yeah, because you've talked about kind of font design and type design where I heard you say that it's like 1% is like this creative energy jolt. And then the 99% is execution, getting it done, the production work of it, which I think is a really interesting kind of mix. And you, I'm guessing, you, you know, you love kind of both sides of that. Yeah, one... Um, the production stuff at its best can be meditative, you know, 
of course, at its worst, you're just kind of like falling asleep. I also kind of enjoy the fact that you've got to earn it. You know, it's it's not just going to be fun and easy all the time. Um, It is labor at the end of the day. Yeah, the the percent of time that's like really fun and and creative or you're just starting a new project. Like there's nothing more fun than starting a new typeface for me. Right. Um, That's why I have uh, such a insane number of not finished typefaces <laughs> because I just love that first little bit of it. Like the ideation and just brainstorming and like anything can happen and totally. Yeah. And like when you first start seeing words come together, like you've drawn maybe eight letters or something and you kind of put that first like five or six letter word together. It's kind of just this moment of like the clouds parting <laughs> and, and God casting beautiful sunshine. Um, so you start with letters? Like in my mind, oh, you'd start by, hey, writing out a word that you kind of want to look a certain way. You actually start with just crafting individual letters at a... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you start start sketching. Sketching, sure. And For get, sure. Yeah, get it out. But then uh-huh. once you move to refinement, that's where you go letter by letter and, and can form words from it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Knowing knowing the good time to jump into the computer, I think, is super important because um, people are posting on Instagram like all these beautiful sketches of uh, every letter perfectly drawn. Um, and the reality is it's a lot of back and forth sketching computer, sketching computer, like throughout the entire process, pretty much. And my old teacher, Eric from Blockland, has a great quote about that where he, he said something in class one day, like, you should hate your sketch. You know, you you should not want to frame your sketch and like show the world, you know, because I love that its job is to uh, show you all the problems of the sketch and, and kind of point you in a direction and not be art in itself. So, yeah, let's start sketching and then go to the computer at some point. But yeah. the moment where you can type actually is kind of like this holy moment. When you can actually type out the letters you created. Into yes, yeah, exactly. That's so cool. What kind of impact do you do you hope to have with your with your work? I mean, it sounds like even years and years ago, you were thinking about what you wanted to you know have in your portfolio and what you wanted to give to the world be looking at like on your deathbed what do you think about now in terms of the impact you hope to have you know with work and stuff i don't really think about it uh long term anymore like that because i kind of feel like i'm on an okay path and i i feel like things will generally just work out i hope now that i can kind of challenge people to be uh, a little bit more deliberate in their type choices you know and kind of get people um into slightly uncomfortable areas we're coming out of a trend right now that's like very sterile and geometric and i hope where it goes from here just blows the doors off everything and uh, people start going wild again kind of like they were in the 90s to some extent (laughs) where there was so much more experimentation you know and i think that's starting to happen and it's really exciting so i i think what I want sort of like my, my legacy to be, this is already sounding like so pretentious, <laughs> but Cue the violins or something, yeah. the orchestra, I don't know, some kind yeah. of music like that. Yeah, put, yeah. It, put it in post. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. I just hope that people, um, kind of understand that typefaces come from people, you know, and the people that are involved in it are doing it because they really love it. So 
because of that, you can find some really amazing stuff if you start digging. There's no shortage of it. You know, I'm not really contributing anything meaningful to the world with just like this tiny, tiny, small drop of um, of weird typefaces. But uh, for me, it, it feels like it gives my life purpose, kind of, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's weird like that, how little... Uh, I need to like want to get out of bed in the morning. Like it doesn't actually matter, but at the same time, I'm always excited to go to work. So I I hope I'm remembered for um, kind of pushing some typographic boundaries. And I I hope that uh, like with the teaching stuff, I'm uh, remembered for just being like a understanding and, and helpful teacher. Okay, that was my conversation with James Edmondson. James, thank you so much for joining the show. It was really a blast to meet you in person and talk to you all about your path to your career today. You guys should definitely check out James's work and you should check out the Ono Type company. Visit the website at onotype.co and that's O-H-N-O-T-Y-P-E.co. And you've got to check out his work on Instagram too. It's onotypeco, and that's just all together on Instagram. To go beyond the episode and check out show notes and my illustration of James and lots more, we've got articles there, and you can subscribe to our newsletter. Visit makingways.co. You can find us on all the social media. Reach out, say hey. I love hearing from you guys. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next week. Music